0: Free money is out there. Just go get it by starting your podcast today. What's going on, everybody? I'm Mara. And I'm Tez, And welcome back to Sisters Who Kill. So sorry I didn't say it last week. <laughs> my neck. Mara was slipping. All right, you guys. We are just going to start off with a trigger warning that this week's episode is a little bit harder to hear. It has to do with trauma, sexual assault, and the result of that. According to Rain.org, somebody is sexually assaulted every 68 Seconds. Every minute and eight seconds somebody is sexually assaulted. One out of every five women will experience sexual assault at some point in their life. And one in three out of those victims experience sexual assault between the ages of 11 and 17. If you or anyone you know are a survivor of sexual assault and need support, you can reach out at 1-800-656-HOPE. That's 1-800-656-HOPE. Alrighty, so let's get into our players. We have Eric Goodridge. He is the father. He is the victim. Then we have Carlene Goodridge. This is the sister. And then we have Bridget Harris, our murderess.
1: Bridget was born June 6, 1981 on Staten Island in New York to her mother, Luciana, in the backseat of a cab outside Staten Island Hospital. Luciana is an immigrant from Liberia who moved to America in the 70s. Even though he had already fathered her sister, Carlene, Bridget's father, Eric Goodrich, denied her for the first two years of her life. Eric was a Liberian expat and was well-respected in his community. I think it was like some type of big shot in Liberia or something, like he worked in the government some way. And so Mm -hmm. when he came over here, he was just involved in the Liberian-American culture.
0: Yeah, he had a lot of influence.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Luciana already had two boys who weren't fathered by Eric before Bridget... And her sister, but in 1983, she left for her grandfather's funeral and never returned. All her kids were left home alone, including two-year-old Bridget, and were eventually picked up by the state and put in foster care.
0: She just left them.
1: Like, I think they were found over at a neighbor's house, unsupervised, and that's when the state took them. Mm. After finding out his children were in foster care, Eric decides it's time to get them out, which, how you don't claim this baby her whole life? Just like, oh, she in foster care. Well, that ain't right. First he gets Carlene, then he goes back for the rest of the kids, including the brothers. But their life was not better with their dad. He was only nice when he was drunk, and he seemed not to care about the kids. He would beat them with reeds until it welted, and he would make paste out of hot chili powder, which is what she used to make mace. Uh-huh. And he would turn it into a paste and rub it into their wounds. Like, we were watching, what was it, Snapped or Deadly Women, and it was mm-hmm. like, that's basically killing the nerve endings. As if that's not bad enough. He began sexually abusing Bridget and her sister at the age of three and four, respectively. When Bridget was around the age of eight, Eric returned to Liberia for extended stay working with the transportation department. Carlene was sent to Staten Island with a relative and Bridget and the boys were sent to live with their paternal grandmother in Rhode Island. And she was not the loving and adoring grandmother either. The kids were treated like Cinderella's like they had more chores than their cousins and they received harsher punishments.
0: Yeah, they had to like earn their keep at the house.
1: Yeah. In one instance, the grandma threw a phone and it chipped Bridget's tooth. And when they went to the doctor, she said to tell them that she fell off a bike.
0: Making kids lie right when she was in the fourth grade her cousin would come by every sunday after church and force her to give him fellatio she literally could not catch a break no matter where she turned like every man in her life was abusive to her by 1994 bridget and her siblings were sent to liberia to stay with their mother now bridget's grandmother and aunt told her look your mother didn't love you and she abandoned you at when you were two years old but that's your mama so Bridget was like, no, that's not true. It's going to be lovely. It's going to be amazing. I get to be reunited with my mom. So as it turns out, when mom left, she left and she had a something called a laissez passe. And basically what that is, it's papers, government papers that say that you can go to and from almost like what we would consider to be a passport. But, she but couldn't it's re- cheaper. But it's cheaper. Exactly. Yeah. It's a little bit. It's I think it's French for like, let it be, let it pass or let them pass. <laughs>
1: yeah let them pass
0: so anyways she went home but she couldn't afford to return to america how you leave the whole country and don't have a plan to get back to your four kids
1: oh that funeral must have been worth it you see what i'm saying like people not choices, one, not two, choices. But four of them and you was just like i'll just figure it
0: out she probably somebody probably promised her that they would give her oh, the money shit. to come back i'm sure a plane ticket to america is expensive i'm sure it is which is why she probably should have stayed around noted so, so the first night that she's there she is happy to see her mom she tells her mom and she tells her pastor about everything that's been going on with her dad and like all the abuse that's been happening back in home back in america she was telling him because her father was like oh this is appropriate because it's a liberian tradition for fathers to take the virginity of their daughters and
1: and it was a rite of passage or a father daughter thing for him to teach you how to have sex, and exactly. he was supposed to be the one to show you how to do this.
0: Her mom and the pastor were like, "What the fuck?" So they went and they confronted Eric. Eric's like, "What? No, I didn't touch that girl. That girl lying. You know she don't. You know she mad cause she don't have my last name. No." So he denies it, and they say, "Okay, that must be it." Her mother. And pastors say, okay.
1: So Bridget and her siblings stay with their mom for a few months. And then Bridget was hospitalized for two weeks with a case of malaria. Her mom was nowhere to be found.
0: The whole time she was in the hospital.
1: The whole, she was in there for two weeks. Mom did not show up, not once. And when she was asked about her absence, she said, oh, baby, I was at a church revival. I was with the Lord, you see, and that's why I couldn't be with you. Eric found out she was in the hospital and took her and sent her to live with more relatives. From here on out, she spent her life bouncing, living between her dad and other relatives, traveling back and forth from Liberia to America. So she really had no home and felt detached from everyone. She was angry, antisocial, and with plenty of reason. And she kind of presented herself as goth, you know. She wore the dark eyeliner and black fingernails and all that
0: stuff. So throughout all these years, her dad was still extremely abusive to her. Um, She couldn't take this abuse at all. And at the age of 17 was the last time that she really fought him off. And at 18, when she was of legal age, she decided she wanted to leave home and she wasted no time doing so. She ended up living on the streets and she began drinking all the time. Like she was a hardcore alcoholic. You would not see her without a flask or something like that with her. She always had a drink with her so eventually she ended up getting her life together though she got a job as a security officer and then she was able to be at a women's shelter until she was able to find an apartment on her own which she did in about 2006 when she was about 25 years old her apartment that she had for herself was in far rockaway and she even had a friend group that was coming over and hanging out she said she really enjoyed throwing gatherings at her house having people over you know Things were coming together for her and her friends mentioned later that she never spoke about her family. She was a social butterfly. She was enjoying herself, but she never spoke about her family. She never really heard from her dad until one day he calls and all she says is, how did you get this number? Lose it. Don't ever call me again. So one day, Bridget is like, I want to go see my sister, I want to go see my nieces, and in 2007, she goes by Carleen's house, and when as soon as she shows up, Carleen meets her at the door, she's like, look, okay, daddy's here, he's sick, his liver's failing, he's in the living room, and she's like, what the fuck? They hadn't seen this man in like eight years at this point. So she goes in a house and she sees her nieces playing with her father. And they're like sitting on his lap. They're like laughing and ha ha ha. And she just gets a rust of emotion. Just that overwhelming feeling. First of all, she's been avoiding this man. So Rich is like, oh my God, this is like not happening. And then her father tells her that he plans on going back to Africa and taking the nieces with him. She's like, no. So she takes her sister to the side and she's like, listen, this is what we're not going to do. And then she tells her sister everything about the abuse, about everything that's happened growing up. And her sister turns to her and says, oh my gosh, all of that stuff has been happening to me too. They didn't even know that it was happening to each other at the time. But Carleen, girl, she was helpless. So Bridget is like, okay, so what are we going to do about it? Carlene's like, oh, well, I was still going to let the kids go to Africa with their grandfather and Bridget was like, uh, no, Still? <laughs> Still? no, absolutely, absolutely not. So she, Bridget absolutely knew that she had to do something or her nieces, which she loved so much, would be subject to the same abuse that her and her sister had growing up.
1: Bridget now comes up with a plan to confront her father about all the abuse and trauma he's put her and her sister through. She goes home and she starts doing research. She's gathering evidence, statistics, all this information about how abuse affects a young child and hurts as a growing adult also. She really plans on giving him a piece of her mind and like we were watching Snapped or Deadly Women are one of them and the psychiatrist on there, she was like, It is never a good idea. For a sexual assault victim or I guess any victim to confront their attacker without a trained professional present because you just never know what's gonna happen. Like yeah, you never, emotions, I don't
0: know you don't know how you're gonna act.
1: Emotions are everywhere. So you don't know what's about to happen. You know, she was like, I'm I'm just gonna really try and give it to him straight. And she she really wanted to just, you know. But things just didn't go as planned. Her dad comes over So, just a few days later, on June 28th, 2007, Bridget's dad comes over to have this conversation. It does not go over well. He is gaslighting Bridget. He's telling her, how would you remember what happened if you were three? Nobody touched you. And he goes as far as to act like he's being a good guy. And he says, I apologize if you feel I hurt you. That is
0: not an apology that is not what you're not about to do is apologize for my
1: feelings what you need to apologize for are your actions I'll take care of me you take care of you
0: you can't tell me how I feel or tell me that you apologize apologize for my feelings no
1: apologize for what you did of course she loses her shit she starts attacking her father and I guess she can overpower him now because you know he's sick She ties him up and she handcuffs him because remember she was a security officer. And she's like, "This, this ends today. She pulls down his pants and grabs a pair of scissors and begins trying to cut off his penis. But that doesn't work. So she then goes and grabs a scalpel. She heats the scalpel up on the stove and then continues to cut it off of him. Then, to be sure that it can't be reattached, she boils the penis on the stove. And then she grabs the penis, she leaves the house. And as she does, she calls 911.
0: So she calls 911 initially to say that somebody needs help. So she says, This is the address, this is where you need to come. Somebody needs help. And 911 says, All right, bet we're on the way. Then 911 calls her back and says, Hey, we're here. And she's like, okay, the person's inside that needs help. And they're like, you're not there? She's like, no, but somebody inside needs help. They're like, okay, who's the person? So they're like, is it a stabbing? What is happening? They go in and they find Eric's body lifeless and bound on the floor. They were like, okay, what is wrong with him? They had no idea that his penis was cut off until after they like processed the scene. And they were moving his body out of the home. And they were like, oh, oh, his dick is gone. When she calls... She's like, his name is Eric, and they say, okay, who is he to you? Is is it your father? Who is it? And then she, like, doesn't answer. She says, is Eric dead? And they're like, what? Is he dead? And they're like, oh, why would you say that? So they're like, oh, you know, come down to the police station. We need to talk to you. She's like, "Uh, okay, I'm going to come. I'm going to come to the police station. So she goes, is headed towards the police station, and she calls her sister. She calls her sister and she's like, you know, some shit went down. I'm outside the police station I'm about to go in and talk to the people. Her sister's like, no, do not go in there and talk to them because if you go in there, I will never see you again. I am on my way. So while she's waiting for her sister, she walks down to the pier right by the beach and she throws the penis into the ocean. The penis has never been found.
1: She waited an hour for her sister to come from Staten Island. Feelings begin to rush and... Bridget was starting to lose it she gets in A car with her sister and everything just Comes out and she's like
0: This week's episode is brought to you by Spiritual Mommies the journey podcast y'all Positive Pixie and Manic Muse They always are getting it together they are trying To balance spiritual life while being A mom and how that affects them so I think it's a Wonderful podcast also you can book Them for your readings y'all Manic Muse Read me down my ass was in there crying while Positive Pixie was sitting there like, yes, girl, get your life, get red, fulfilled. So make sure you check them out. They're amazing. They're absolutely beautiful spirits. And I cannot wait for you to meet them on their podcast or book them for a reading. Now let's get back to the show. <laughs> torn with guilt she's like
1: i want to kill myself i can't do this and her sister's like you have to calm down she looks in her bag and she sees that she still has the scalpel and she was like i'm not taking any chances with you you need to go to the hospital so she gets put on a 5150, which basically means you got to spend 72 you're on a 72 hour psychiatric hold and can't nobody get you out which ended up working in her favor because the cops knew that she did it everything pointed to her they just needed to know why but they didn't have access to her so in the meantime they start building evidence they go back to her house and they search her computer and first they find a confession video slash suicide letter and it starts off as okay so testing right now my name is Bridget Harris and this is the story of my life well not the whole thing Obviously, it'll take way too long. Just the summary reasons why I'm doing what I'm about to do. Why I feel I have to do it, why it must be done. Why I've waited so long to do it. And so you can judge me, but before you do, get the whole story. That's all I ask. So of course hearing this like of course she did it. Right. But in addition to this, they look at her search history and she's basically like researching She's, like, researching castrations. Like, she she's looked into the Lorena Bobbitt case. Um, if y'all don't know, Lorena Bobbitt cut off her husband's dick.
0: Yep, in 93.
1: And even other cases, and basically what she found in her research, or what the research showed that she was looking for in her history, was that you cannot die from cutting off somebody's penis. It's You don't have enough blood loss to kill somebody that
0: way. Yeah, um, you're not hitting any major arteries blood yeah sorry your dick's not that important her myspace was like really dark and they were like oh, yeah were. there was and i wouldn't necessarily
1: use that as evidence against her it was like so, like v- dark vengeance or something little revenge or whatever but she was also very goth so it's right. on brand and then they found out that her scalpel was bought a month before Uh, She killed her father So they was like "Mm, Are we sensing a little premeditation
0: Which I'm also not buying Because she didn't know her daddy was in town So, while at the hospital, she was, like, immediately put on antidepressants and diagnosed with PTSD. And on July 30th, her lawyer, Arthur Adela, came to the psych ward and was like, okay, let's sit down, let's figure this out, tell me everything about you, tell me about your life, your history, you know, getting to know his client, which, you know, lawyers are supposed to do. But he was really sincere, and Carlene also accompanied the lawyer to this meeting at the psychiatric hospital. And... Bridget pretty much told the lawyer everything about the abuse that came from both parents and Carlene was there to corroborate the stories about everything that had led up to what happened to Eric and he knew that eventually this case was going to go in front of a jury and he needed to get ahead of the media so he went straight to the media and told them everything about Bridget about Bridget's story what has what happened to her just trying to drum up some excitement I guess excitement's not the word, but drum up some conversation about her her case and, and who she was. Because when you get ahead of the media, you get to drum up excitement. And when you drum up excitement, you hopefully get the outcome that you deserve or are hoping for. Since Eric's body was discovered, Bridget had been at the hospital the entire time. She had been there for about three weeks until finally she was officially arrested on August 16th. When she was arrested she was charged with second degree murder and her and her defense prepared to go to trial.
1: Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial. On September 14, 2009 she finally has her day in court. She's doing very good in the public opinion, like when news articles wrote about her they wrote about the abuse and not the murder, you know It was like, yeah, she killed her dad But look what her dad did, you know She states multiple times to multiple people Like she had no intention of killing him She just wanted to ensure that he could no longer have the weapon that he used to abuse her Her mom side of the family and her siblings supported her And her dad's side defended Eric And they were saying things like You know, one, Eric didn't do it Two, at the end of the day, he's still your dad Which... I just feel like.
0: I don't give a fuck. You are. Mm mm. You are. You can cut off family members too. If they're toxic in your life, I don't care how they're related to you. You can still cut them out. And then I. They're like, if
1: you were so abused, why would you wait so long to say something? And I just feel like as a child in this situation, like, one. She told people and they didn't believe her. But right. two, like it's it's a it's a power struggle having a parent that abuses you because at the end of the day that's still your parent and as much as you hate them you still love them and as much as you want to not love them you don't. You know what I'm saying? Like, what you want is for the abuse to stop. Like, not all the fucked up shit that comes with it. It's like, if I exactly. tell, then I'm going to be taken out of this place and then people are going to look at me like this and all this and a third. And really what I want is for you to stop. And it's so much pressure on a child to try and make this whole decision that they know is going to flip. Not only their lives upside down, but anybody touching the situation. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Everybody's life is going to change. So, it's, that's of course... People aren't eager to stand up, especially when they've already been told that they're not going to be belie- believed,
0: you know what I mean? Like Right. And then I think the statistic is one out of every 15 girls that are abused, one out of 15 reported. The outcome happens all the time. You don't get your day in court. It's very rare that you get your day in court like Bridget is getting, you know? Mm-hmm. And her dad was already out- upstanding into the community. Right. And had charges. <laughs> Right, and he had
1: charges against him and nothing ever came from it. There were reports of domestic abuse and nothing ever came of it. So it's not like nobody was ever kind of drawn into him. That's the thing about these people, like, you know it be the ones when they'd be like, I'm not even shocked. You hear people's opinion and they'd be like, I just didn't want to know. And I think, that's the just, I think that's the worst part about it, the people who rather turn their head. Like, yeah, that's the shit that's hardest for me to get past because it was a child. And everybody decided it was not their business or it didn't matter or it wasn't important enough. And it's a child involved. Right. So the prosecution is like, none of this matters. She took the law into her own hands. The defense is like... Listen, we're not even going to come and deny that we killed him. You know, what we are going to say is this was the reason why. And I want you to look into your heart and you're going to have to think with your hearts on this one because it was just a fucked up case to begin with. They say that they also um, and then and then the prosecutors also tried to be like. You know, again, with the scalpel. There was like, she bought this a long time ago. But again, she has not spoken to this nigga. And I doubt she just had a scalpel on ready for him. You know what I mean? Let's be honest. You living in New York. You need some type of weapon. No, let's be really honest here. She's goth. And I don't doubt that she cut herself. And a scalpel is a perfect tool to do so.
0: Mmm. I didn't even think of that. Didn't even think of that.
1: Then in the trial, they showed that her dad, you know... Did not die of blood loss But he actually died of asphyxiation He suffocated on the towel stuffed on his mouth So apparently she stuffed it too far down his throat That his tongue could no longer push it forward And so he just Every time he gagged It was pulling it deeper and deeper into his throat Until it cut off his airway And he died They said that he probably died Before she even cut off his penis And she didn't even know Because she was just so frantic and when on fire you're fired. in that moment yeah. yes you don't know what the hell's going on so the defense is like you know obviously she didn't mean to kill him she calls nine one 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 immediately you know she did the research to show that you know he could live through this this the the, the suffocation on the towel was just an accident you know but murder was never the point here
0: assault maybe but murder hell no you right, know right like i meant to do bodily harm right i meant I meant to cut the penis off. I mean to kill you.
1: And then she even had, I think, both sides, both the prosecution and the defense wanted a psych eval on them. And both doctors come up and was like, yo, she's got severe PTSD. Like, they said that she's possibly suffering from intense flashbacks that would cause her to act out in the manner that she did. So they're just further adding, like, the intent is just all the way not there.
0: So the jury went and deliberated and on september 30th, of 2009 they actually decided to convict her of a lesser crime and she was found guilty of manslaughter but the jury wasn't done with bridget they really were like look the law says one thing but my heart says another so i'm really gonna have to go with my heart and out of the 12 jurors eight of them wrote letters to the judge begging for leniency saying like She has already been abused her entire life that led up to this this point and now you're gonna punish her more i saw one of the jurors on deadly women one of the jurors was like usually it's you did the crime so you do the time but this is a case where she did the time being raised in these abusive situations until she did the crime and so she deserves to you know, be able to sign herself out, go ahead and sign herself out of the jailhouse. So it seems like, it's starting to seem like even though she was found guilty of manslaughter, like the support, the rallying behind her is really happening. But the judge was a little bitch. Mm -hmm. And he literally told the jurors, he said, you will show mercy, but I will show none. So the jury was able to... Convict her of a lesser sentence, but the sentencing was going to the judge. And the judge was like, Bet if that's what it's gonna be, then I'm gonna give you the max of this sentence, which is five to 15 years, which would make her eligible for parole in 2012. On August 13th, 2012, Bridget was released from the Bedford Hill Correctional Facility for Women. The jury pool, like two or three of the juries, showed up to her parole hearing because they were like, Look, it's time to make sure sister she gets get, out. Right. Like, we're not about to play these games. This is getting out of prison. Yeah. So now she's out.
1: Um, So she had an interview later while she was in jail. And they talked to her about it. And she's like, honestly, I don't think killing him was the answer. She said, I can't believe I actually did it. The only thing in my mind was to stop him. I probably should have talked to someone earlier. So many people say it's not your fault, but you don't believe them. Because y'all know she didn't get any psychiatric help until the day she killed him and checked herself into a psych ward, you know. She really just wants to make the most of her time while she's there and prepare to make a life for herself. She took culinary arts class. She was taking college-level classes. And she gets regular psychiatric treatment, or she was getting regular psychiatric treatment. She was diagnosed with severe post-traumatic stress disorder and personality disorder, and she's on medication for it. She said that when she got out, she wanted to work with an advocacy group steps to end family violence and she wants to you know tell people about her experience and she wants to finish college and open up a restaurant like she had dreams for herself and everything and I think that's good they was like you know how do you feel and she was like you know it's definitely hard and he fucked me up but I think I'm gonna be okay and I hope that she is
0: I think she is too
1: um I think I feel like I found her but I you know Tassie be, sure. be stalking, y'all. I do. I be stalking. I love it. I want to be all up in your business. So I feel <laughs> like I found her through a GoFundMe. <laughs> and if this is her, right? So it says Bridget Harris, a Liberian-American, right? And so basically, they were doing a GoFundMe because her bike broke, and the importance of her bike. So she works with this nonprofit rescuing leftover cuisine. And so basically, what she was saying was that she grew up in Liberia. Mm, see these lineups during the civil war, which has been going on like for twenty years or so. And she kind of was talking about the if those who don't know, Liberia was the country that America gave the free slaves, as if people didn't already live there, right? So the civil war came about because the freed slaves came in saying this is our country and the native people of the country was like, No, it's ours and that is the civil war and she said like her grandfather was her her great grandfather was a president. Now y'all remember, she said her daddy was connected in the government. It's all aligned. So there it is. You see there what I'm is. saying? But anywho, she was like, growing up during this wartime, you know, it's hard. It's devastating. You see a lot of crazy shit. Her youngest brother died of starvation. She was like, and for that reason, I hate to see food go to waste. And basically so what this thing does is they go to different restaurants and they take the leftovers, they prevent the food from being thrown out and they give it to people who are actually hungry and who could actually use that food. I think at the end of the interview they was like, How many, how many meals do you think you've made so far? And it's she did like eleven thousand, like fed eleven thousand people or got eleven thousand meals saved and presented to people with this thing. And she was just like, I just I I like doing the part. She likes riding her bike. It's a good way to clear her head and stuff and it's a it's a cause that means a lot to her and I think it's good. I I love the whole idea of it. I hate food going to waste too. I'm a
0: leftover queen. Yeah, I don't have leftovers because I actually eat my food in the first round.
1: <laughs> I'm a grazer, but I'm gonna get there. What I won't do is waste some food. I feel like I don't care if I have. Just eat it. Four bites left.
0: I'm full now and I will take it home and I will eat it later. Just eat it. All right, y'all. It is time for. Well, I'm not black. I'm OJ. Okay. I do it. But if I did. This is how I get away with it. Go first. You got to go first. <sighs> I knew you were going to say that. I ain't do it. But if I did, maybe we could
1: focus a little more. Let me start off by saying I'm not fucked up at all with what she did. I'm more fucked up with the judge trying to put the hammer on her. But I think she, for the most part, she she did what she had to do. This was all mm-hmm. survival to her. You know what I mean? But... If we were to put a little thought into it, I would focus on keeping him alive because then we wouldn't even be facing a murder charge. We'd be facing an assault, maybe an assault to kill if somebody's pushing it. But if she got this much sympathy and she could get that on assault, she'd be out on probation.
0: I don't know. I just feel like if he had a if she was convicted of assault to kill, she would serve way more than three years only because only because he would be alive to defend himself. hmm. and And he got clout and he got clout exactly Mm. that's the only reason why i think if he lived like she would see i see you'd have somebody constantly saying your story is wrong your story is wrong your story is wrong
1: yeah she wouldn't have had that satisfaction that they had because they said Mm -hmm. they said when they told the when they when they came and asked for the lesser charge of manslaughter they said she almost smirked like (laughs) like these people are really rocking with me you know So yeah, I mean, when you go through,
0: when you go through life and no one has ever believed anything that you say about the trauma that you're going through, and literally no one ever believes you, finally when like the whole world believes you, yeah, it, it makes you feel good.
1: It does, I'm sure. I'm glad that she got the outcome that she did, at least in the public opinion. Like, even if that judge wanted to fuck her over, I'm sure she just brushed that off because she at least didn't have to go in front of everybody and be called a liar and be told that her truth was not true. Like, people were on her side and she didn't have to fight for that, you know
0: what I mean? Oh, I would have... You know, the judge was a bitch and I really didn't like him. So, I think what I would have done is... (laughs) I would have tried in the during the trial I've been like this is not going my way. I have a public opinion. The jury is really fucking with me. So I would have tried tried to be like, okay. Let's try and get a mistrial. Let's force a mistrial and hopefully I'm playing, I'm gambling, but hopefully I'll get a new judge. And once I got a new judge, I've already got the public opinion I know that my story is going to go over well I need this judge to be on my side as well I need him to be one that encompasses empathy for real for real (laughs) empathy is very important so that's what I would have done it would have definitely been forcing this trial yeah okay parole or no parole sis got out so yeah, love that for her what time
1: served she ended up doing about two years
0: yeah about two and a half ish but like mm, i still feel like she shouldn't have done anything she shouldn't have had yeah she shouldn't have had to serve anything at all
1: yeah but i guess you don't get probation for
0: any form of the murder not the
1: manslaughter not none of it huh but yeah at least she's out <laughs>
0: Okay, so this review comes from Long Live King DKP, and it says Ryder Tay, which, if y'all in uh, the discussion so, group. So y'all was really fucking with Ryder Tay, y'all. If if y'all in the discussion group, y'all already know about iHeart. y'all uh-huh. already know how I feel. Listen, I'm mad, she, is, <laughs> <laughs> she is
1: not that cute as y'all was making her how to be. Right-a-tay,
0: baby. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I'll, I'll hold the strap.
1: <laughs> what you going to say, I give you the gun. You going to bust that shit?
0: Yes, mm-hmm. daddy. She said. <laughs> Anyways, they said... Listening to Mara and Taz is like having a conversation with my friends. Honestly, Taz and Mara are my friends in my head, LOL. I love to hear people like me speak on topics that I am interested in. Keep up the great work. I know one day y'all will reach the read in Crime Junkie fame. Yes, speak that. <laughs> speak that. Because that's what... Bring it on in. Because that is what we need.
1: Listen, speak over me.
0: I forget every time how to get to these
1: damn reviews... I forget every time how to get to the podcast app. Let's start there.
0: Do you listen to our podcast? Uh-huh. <laughs> Y'all I like, be having a big tensile to, to listen to the podcast. I'll be like,
1: okay, I'll listen to this one. <laughs> okay, you are gonna pull I was my like, leg a Yo. Minute. We did a good job on this one.
0: Listen to it.
1: Right. I'll be like, mm, that felt funny. i I guess I'll check it out. This one comes from Shaggaraga Faggahaga. I sure what? do <laughs> Shagararaga Faggagga says, I sure do love me some true calm, so this podcast is everything. I really can't appreciate how you ladies do talk. I really can't appreciate how you ladies do storytelling too. I listen at the gym and I just be so into it. Keep it up, Queens. We'll do, Shagaraga. Thanks. Thanks so much for everybody we and their it. positive reviews. Somehow we still managed to be five stars. Even with these hating ass niggas why, trying to give us, us the twos. Okay. So the results are in for the logo competition, you guys.
0: Yes.
1: Okay. So and first of all let me just say thank you and well done to all the artists who participated. You guys did an amazing job. We have gotten more views on this post than any other. So I hope you guys are getting great exposure. Um, Let's go on with the results, shall we? Shall we, Mara?
0: In third place, we have design number three by Etsy Young Artistry. In second place, we have artist number one, Dominique Chablis. And our new logo is by designer number four, AMA Design. You can check out everybody's work in the description box below. Congratulations! Hooray! Yay! Congratulations! Yes. We're so excited. Yes.
1: So y'all will soon be seeing the rollout of the new logo. Um, thank you again for everybody who participated. Thank you for everybody who voted. Thank you for being part of choosing our new logo.
0: And Yes, I, y'all are so sweet. I know.
1: Um, I think that wraps it up for today. Um, anything else? Oh, we got to do our socials
0: yep you can follow us on everything if you want to follow us on twitter it's sisters who kill if you want to email us about ad space or just to say hey it's sisters who kill podcast at gmail.com follow us on instagram at sisters who kill pod follow us on tiktok at sisters who kill podcast join the discussion group and answer my questions y'all know i'm not playing with (laughs) y'all that's all we got taz you got anything else um talk to us we talk back that's it peace bye